So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hey, I've got some really exciting news. We are returning. We're back on the road with The Shaleen Show Live. In conjunction with my book launch party, I am taping a live episode of The Shaleen Show at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills on April 18th. Now that is a Thursday. Pod Squad, I would love to meet you. This is going to be really special. I mean, they're all really special because I get to meet you and you guys get to meet each other and they're fun and it's the ultimate girls night out. And fellas, if you were smart, you should come with your lady or you should come to find yourself the love of your life because I have the smartest, funnest, coolest, most amazing audience and I can't wait for you guys to meet each other. So grab your tickets now. You can find them by going to shaleenshowlive.com. General admission starts at $39 and I don't know if they'll be available at the time that you're listening to this, but we did make just a few special seats available for people who basically want to spend the day with me and Brett and the team. You'll go to lunch with us. You'll hang out backstage. We'll pop some champagne. You'll help me pick out my outfit. We'll have a good time. You'll meet the drag queen who happens to be emceeing the show. Like this is a once in a lifetime experience. Hey, don't wait. Go to shaleenshowlive.com and I will see you on Thursday, April 18th. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey, welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show, where today I have my special guest. Me, Sierra Johnson. That's her. That's my daughter. And today we're talking about... What are we talking about? We'll find out. I guess we'll see. We're just happy that you're here. So thanks for joining us. Grab a cup of coffee or... Lemon ginger water in your 131 <laughs> bottle. <laughs> Good product placement, Sierra Johnson. You've been trained well. Off to the show. What would you tell your friend who's always worried about what people think? I think me and you both know that it's deeper. Like, I always think it stems from something else. Such as? Lack of attention as a child or there's a different root cause than just wanting to be liked or wanting to fit in. So let's talk about someone... Okay, someone like the person we're both thinking of, she had a lot of attention, you know, who knows like really what's happening at home, but parents that were together, parents had nice jobs. Yeah, the whole thing. Sisters, parents at all their events. Also, though, like really needs to be liked. And, you know, so what's going on there? What do you you know? I think that kids or people who are raised in households where they're not accepted by their own parents. Like, that's one of the most damaging things is when you have to be perfect, like this kid had to have perfect grades and had to be the best in every sport and had to be perfect like their brothers and sisters, then you already think you're flawed just from parents trying to hold you to such a high standard Mm -hmm. that you're always going to worry what people think. Do you agree? Yeah. And there's also like the other child who doesn't have the picture perfect life. Instability. Yeah. So that's like self-imposed pressure to be the adult of the family Mm. because both parents 
aren't parenting. So then would you suggest or do you think the reason why that that friend that you're thinking of is so worried about like what people are saying and whatever, etc., is because they just want peace. They want everything to be yeah, everything to be OK, everything to be OK. Yeah. Who's the most confident person, you know, who doesn't really care what people think? Like just guys come to mind. It's never like a girl that comes straight to my mind. That's a problem. Yeah. I guess my suggestion would be if you're listening to this and you have young kids, start really early, like letting them be who they want to be. Let them wear what they want to wear. I always knew some of the things you wanted to wear to school were going to make you, I don't know if I want to say a target, but like. I had stages where I dressed like a boy. I had stages where I dressed like a really girly girl. I had stages where I tried too hard. I had stages. When do you think you tried too hard? In retrospect? It'd be like a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I remember going to school. You wouldn't let us go school shopping for you. But I remember like craving in middle school. Once I got into middle school, I like craved being different. You did from elementary school. I know, but like I was aware of it. You were aware of it in elementary school. When we would try to go school shopping, you would say, I don't want to go school yeah, shopping true. until I go to school and because I, I don't want to buy what everyone else is wearing. So I want to go to school for a couple of weeks, figure out what everyone else is wearing so that I don't buy that and then I'll buy some clothes. Yeah. If anyone had the same thing as me, I'd be really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Like it, it angered me. So then how did it make you feel when people, you know, because I remember you getting attention because you dressed differently or your personality was different. You weren't like, you didn't have to go along with things. Mm -hmm. And so how did that make you feel? Mature from like a very young age. Because it didn't bother you? Correct. So what do you think about this term bullying? And I think we have to be sensitive Mm. because a lot of people are pretty. That's a good topic. Sensitive to it. But it's, not a term we ever used. You? Yeah. Like growing up? What well, would you no, call I, it if you got beat up? I got beat up. Or someone tried to beat up. Or like know, someone or, was like... I would say we got picked on. Okay. Or like okay. They, 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 don't, they don't like us. Yeah. But I, I, I didn't think of it as bullying. Well, I, don't, I don't know why. But, and we didn't use it with you guys. The word bullying? Yeah. I very much dislike that term. Because it's overused. It's oversaturated and it's like the word depressed like there's real like depression when there is real de- i think so too because there are cases where people are being bullied yeah but then everyone uses that word just because they had a rough day or someone in particular picked on you i'm like that then there's someone who's picking on you i don't know the word bullying to me sounds like it's a catch-all term that we're using when there's discord between people when it really should be a term used when you have no control over it it's ruthless that's how i think of bullying it's ruthless it doesn't go away there's nothing you can do about it and it doesn't end and it's like all these things you know like i was watching i can't remember one of these documentaries about this girl who when she broke up with her boyfriend she went to this really small school and he was really popular and she was like a really good, good, good girl. Like she really was a good girl. But then all these rumors came out that she had done things with him sexually Mm -hmm. and the whole school, like, and I get this in small towns, like the whole school started attacking her and sending her photos and like spray painting on her driveway. Like that's bullying. Yeah. Like weird that you say small school because like the one friend that I have to that has told me like she's been bullied, like, she came from a very small school. 
So I feel like that has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. And I, when I remember we watched the documentary and a lot of like the bullying cases were from like small schools in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any incidents of, you know, someone picking I, like, on you? Vividly remember two times. But in high school, I wasn't teased or bullied. I was never teased or bullied. But it was Brock's will say the same. Like I would hear people like talk on Brock. Mm-hmm. Which would upset me, but I wouldn't ever call it bullying or... What would you call it? Did you feel like it was directed at you? No. You felt like it was directed at Brock and it was upsetting? Yeah. I wasn't, like, distraught over it, but I was like, well, he's my brother. You know what I mean? hmm And then, like, family. Reputation. How did that impact you? I don't ever think I told you this. This just came to my mind. Oh. And the only time I remember, like, hearing it from me... And I feel like this had to do with why I started running track. From you or about you? Huh? You said the only time I heard it from me. You mean about you? About me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in the, like the, where you get with the trainer, whatever, where you get like your feet wrapped or sure. whatever. Or yeah. After the game, you go there and you ice your body. I remember like I was icing like my feet or something and all the, a couple of the soccer girls were on it. And like this guy came in from either like the basketball team or the baseball team and they're like oh yeah johnson's little sister's on varsity because of her family and then i remember then i was like oh yeah like that's what everyone thinks and then i was like oh well i'm gonna run track oh so because that's an individual sport and if i win you can't question it it was like that and then it also i wanted like the most extreme sport torture (laughs) yeah you really did? You won the most extreme sport? Oh, I saw, like, I remember at soccer practice, we were, like, playing, practicing, and the track girls ran by, and I was like, damn. That looks hard. I need to be there, like, not playing soccer. Oh. When did you know you really kind of hated track? I knew I hated losing. I knew that the day my sophomore year at, like, CIF, whatever it was. Mm-hmm prelims where i like lost and i like all my teammates went on and then i was like Mm. crying to you guys in the your guys's room and then we found josh and then the first day so just to clarify you came to us that night and you're like i I, should i've trained so hard and and i need a better coach yeah found josh my after my first training session with josh i knew i hated track but you like josh i liked i knew what he was gonna do so Josh is the trainer that we found after that night. Like, so we thought when you came to us and you were upset, we were like, oh, she's going to, you know, not want to run anymore, which is fine. Like, whatever. But you came in and we were really surprised. But you're like, I need to train harder. I need to train the right way. Like, they weren't training me the right way. I need the right coach. And then we found this guy, Josh Norman, who's an awesome dude. But he lived in Northern California and he trained. Fresno. Oh, he lived in Fresno. Yep. Or lives in Fresno. Well, I found him because I watched this video of Michaela Smith, who ran the same event as me, was a lot older, well, like two years older, Uh in one state, Mm. like three years in a row for the 800. And he had trained her. Yeah. And so I found like this video of her working out with him, and that's how I found Josh. But the first workout with him was just testing my endurance and my speed at the same time, so I would run... This isn't going to make sense to anyone, but well, I might. I'd run a 300 meters and then I'd jog 300 and then run 300 meters and jog 100. So track is 400 meters. So I'd run 
three-fourths of it, jog one-fourth of it. And I do that until... When you say run, you actually mean sprint. Yes, sprint. <laughs> and he was just said, how many times can you do it? Mm. So I just did that. And then after that, we went to the beach and I did like some agility stuff in like the sand basically in the sand in the sand and then after that we went to the weight room all in one session my first time ever meeting him and let alone the warm-up no it was like the warm-up i knew it's like okay this is gonna really suck but we're gonna do it so what would your 19 year old self tell your 15 mm. year old self listen to that first thought in your gut first feeling of don't do it mm. and also like listen to your body. Okay, so here's something interesting. I was listening to a podcast today with this guy. It was like a parenting podcast. Mm -hmm. And the guy was said... Oh, wait, I want a question for you. When did you know that I hated? Or that running, I wasn't running because I wanted... From the moment you started running track, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like what it was doing to you and dad. Yeah. And by that, I mean Obsessive. dad would... Anything he can't make right for you guys would upset him and so you know he kind of had to work on that through your high school and for brock you know it was a struggle when brock was playing football at georgetown and now suddenly dad couldn't control the play calling play, yeah you know so he was at the mercy of these coaches calling plays and it's like he didn't need brock to win or lose he just wanted the best opportunity for you guys and same thing for you it's like he just wanted whatever you wanted, but I knew that that was making you feel like you needed to do better to make him happy, which it's like the cycle. cycle. Yeah. yeah. And so when you were in track, he was so stressed and so worried about you at all times. I'm like, who cares? Just let her do her thing. Like, you can't control it. He's like, oh, I know, but she's going to be so bummed out. I'm like, but so what? Like, and I could also tell your personality was getting more and more and more tight. Yeah. You were short. less fun, less spontaneous. You started to become incredibly regimented and you were worried about what time you're going to sleep and what time you're going to eat and what time you're going to, like, if it was on your little list of. There, there was never a day I didn't do something. The amount of training that you did and the type of training and solo training. That's what blows my mind. Was insane. And, you know, dad and I would just be like, who does this? This is insane. <laughs> like, what kid just doesn't even take a rep off and just goes so hardcore? And that's when I kind of knew it was becoming obsessive. And then you started doing, you know, eating vegan. And we were like, you know, really trying to support that. But it felt very restrictive. And uh, here's what I knew. I knew and I worried about it that you were suddenly trying to exercise a lot of control. Exercise a lot of control. Gotcha. I was think you said exercise. Yeah, not like exercise. Not like, like You were like trying to assert sir, control assert. over everything that you yeah. could control because you couldn't control the outcome of a race. No. So you're going to control like every, every single, single minute yeah. up to the race. Yeah. And then I could tell it was really obsessive and it was, and so you don't know this, but I used to text Josh constantly and tell oh. him what to tell you. I didn't know that. Yeah. I would say, listen, she'll only listen to you. You need to tell her she has got to rest. You yeah. need to tell her to let go, to blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, I'm on it. I'm on it. Because like, he's a mindset guy. I, no, I wouldn't listen to anyone. I didn't trust anyone besides Josh. We knew that. And I like thought if he told me to roll out my right leg 
that was the only thing to do that day, then I was going to roll on my right leg, and that was only only what I was going to do. Yeah. And I thought that was like, the that's how I win. Mm-hmm. That's how I win. Just do exactly what he says. Okay, so back to what I was going to ask you is, so I'm listening to this podcast today. It's a parenting podcast. And the dad they were interviewing said, I want my kids in activities, and I want them to pick the activities. But the day I say, okay, guys, we're heading off to baseball, or hey, okay, guys, we're heading off to soccer or we're heading off to art or whatever the day they don't want to do it is the day we're done because i never want to force my kids to do something they don't have passion for i thought hmm Hmm. that's an interesting thing like because our belief dad and i was always so finish the season finish the play finish the da 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 finish the finish the thing because you've made an obligation to other people yeah but you don't have to do it next year or next whatever and i remember one of the girls that we... I technically did that because I quit the night before my first race of my senior year. So I never started my senior year. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. And the reason why that was important to me is because my parents, I think it was great that they let me quit everything. You could quit it whenever you wanted. Yeah, and I felt like that was not a good lesson to learn because I was letting down other people at the wrong time. You know, like mm-hmm. I think about that drill where people are, fa- you know, you're supposed to like blindly just fall back and your teammates catch you. Well, if a teammate, one of those teammates steps out, then you've made, you know, the person who's falling, it's a weaker landing place for them. So we always felt like, okay, you need to finish this, but you don't have to do it next season, next semester, whatever. Because I remember there was, you know, one of your friends in high school, one of Brock's friends in high school, didn't want to cheer anymore. She was just done cheering. She hated cheering. She mm. wanted to like not be doing that every night after school. And her mom was like, no, you have to do this. Why? Yeah. Like, why? She was because you're so good at it and you'll regret it later if you quit. Well, you might, mom. Like, the yeah. m- mom was so wrapped up in the identity of her daughter being a cheerleader. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. It was funny because soccer, I loved it. Like, I wanted to go to every single practice. Mm-hmm. And, like, my coaches would always say that. Like, I remember, like, being in the circle and being like, well, we know Sarah's going to show up, like, yeah. and I loved that. So, but I remember, like, when I did acting, I remember the days I started, like, being like, no, I don't want to go. And that's because I was not into it. Never did that with soccer, but I remember. Mm-hmm. And then I did that with plays and obviously track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I always, not resented, but you think, like, just differently about the kids who would leave teams in the middle of the season mm-hmm. or left in the middle of the season to a new team or quit in the middle of the season. Yeah. Compared to like <laughs> who like went all the way through one football team to the next, but he did it through the end of the season. Through the end of the season. Mm-hmm. What do you think about parents who do that with their kids, like shop them around oh, in different schools? What's the worst thing, you know, cause you're having these deeper conversations with friends now who are out of school a year to yeah, the sometimes three years. The group. Yes, and they're deeper conversations than you were you would have with friends in high school. Mm-hmm. So, what have you already picked up on? Are things that parents do? Parents are awful. I don't understand parents. Every girl I every person I'm friends with, or no girl I'm friends with, their parents are divorced or fighting all the time, abusive, passive aggressive, demeaning. Oh, demeaning, yeah. Towards the wife, I have one friend everyone. who like is older in. She, like, can see it with her parents, but she knows that they're only together for the younger sibling. So, as a kid, does she wish that they would divorce? But, yeah, she wishes they weren't together. Okay, so you're 
and let's say you get married and you're fighting horribly with your husband mm-hmm. and you have kids, what's the right thing to do? Go to therapy. Hey, okay, so I've got something I have to tell you about. This is legit. This is a company that when I first started using this app, I'm like, this is so amazing. I need to tell my lifers about this. But I had Brett reach out to the company and see if we could first get a discount. If I'm going to tell you guys about this kind of stuff, it's like, I know you guys are going to love it, but I also want to hook you up. So write this down. Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com forward slash Shalene. What is it? All right. So you know, I'm always talking about the books that I read. Well, sometimes I listen to them on Audible. And sometimes I listen to them on Blinkist. What's the difference? Well, Blinkist is an app that gives you kind of like the cliff notes, like a summary. But it's better than just an audible version of it. You can actually read the summary of the book. It's like all the best takeaways. So the only thing you might miss is some of the stories, right? But the best takeaways are boiled down for you. So you can get through so many more books this way. It has changed the way that I consume my knowledge. And it's especially helpful for personal development type books. So there's a book that I would love for you to download and experience on Blinkist. It's called Digital Minimalism, and it's by Cal Newport. This is such a great book. And the reason why I want you to listen to it is because I want to do an episode about this book. And I want us all to take part in a detox, but not exactly like the one that's in the book, one that I think is kind of like a nice starter detox when it comes to social media and the distraction that our phones create. In fact, many of the books that I recommended in the episode I did where I talked about my top favorite books, including Never Split the Difference. That's that book I was telling you guys about that totally helped me figure out how to negotiate my way into and out of anything. Like this is a killer resource. Whether you've got kids or you're negotiating for things at work, you definitely want to listen to Never Split the Difference. So when you go to Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com forward slash Shalene, they're going to give you your first seven days free. It's really affordable if you decide to keep it. If not, you can cancel. But your first seven days are free because you are a lifer. And I really appreciate them doing that for my listeners. Okay, again, the one, the book that I would love for you to listen to is called Digital Minimalism because we will follow up with an episode on how we are going to detox together. I've got a little challenge planned for us. And I would also love to talk about that book inside our pod squad. All right, that's it for now. Back to the show. Okay, and now your husband doesn't want to go. Will not go. Now what? I have no idea. He refuses to go. Well, he's not going to because I'm going to instill therapy in him before I have kids with him and get married to him. Okay, then hypothetically, you've got this friend who marries this guy. Okay. And they just start fighting and fighting and fighting. And he's he's can be a good guy, but he can also be a real jerk. And Is he a jerk? Got kids. Okay. It's not physical. Let's say it's not physical. It's just saying they're fighting like crazy. In front of the children? Well, even when you're not fighting in front of your kids, your kids know you're fighting. Yeah. But I mean, it affects the children is what I'm saying. Sure. It's not like he's just like a guy. Yeah. It affects the kids. Like, it's not just like. Just like lazy or whatever. Yeah. Or like the wife doesn't like him. Or I don't know how that works. Right. But yeah. you know what I mean? Then yeah, divorce. 
So is that going to be better than than children being raised in a household where you have tension and model. fighting? There's like a right way and a wrong way to do it. It's hard. My thing is you just cannot give up. Like, I mean, yeah, but there is a point at which you have to like, it's just, you know, like, yeah. I mean, 10 years of going to therapy and different types of doctors and different types of therapies and different types of approaches and changing situations. And well, maybe she needs to get a job and well, maybe he needs to change his job. And maybe we need to move here. Maybe we, like, maybe we need to work together. They just tried everything, everything, everything. And it got to a point where she just realized I'm doing more harm than good. Yeah. But now you're divorcing a lunatic. And so that's just hard. Yeah. Cause either way, like abuse is like where I would draw the line. Sure. I agree. But like before that, either way, like the father is going to be in the picture, whether you're divorced or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So either way, therapy is going to be a good thing. Hey, I never have asked you this. Brock went to therapy a lot mm-hmm. from the time he was really young. And he went because he started having like OCD tendencies. I think we've told you that. Yeah. And then. How young was he? Like seven the first time I think you went. We took him the first time because we noticed he was having some behavioral things. Like he was sleepwalking. <laughs> it was funny, but it was also like, okay, this is new and weird. And at about that same time he started, he was like, okay, I have to go brush my teeth at 5.35 p.m. And he was like, seven. And we're like, I've never heard of that. yeah. And we're like, why, Brock? And he goes, because I have, so to, Brock, have to brush though, them by so 5.35. Because if I don't, then I can't fall asleep tonight. Mm. So he was already developing rituals and already obsessing about the fact that he couldn't fall asleep at night. Mm. And then he would say he couldn't fall asleep because his mind was solving problems and maps and diagrams. Oh, my God. I know. So we're like, well, you know what? We should go have him talk to a therapist. And yeah. the therapist was like, so, so, so good you came. This is the kind of kid who would have full-blown debilitating OCD mm. if you didn't address it earlier. And it's you know has a lot to do with the pressure he feels at home. And we're like, pressure? Kid's not under any pressure. And he's like, whether you're stating it or not, he feels it because of... Who you are. Who, you know, you and your husband and your own beliefs about excellence and how you're living your life, whether you're telling him he has to do that or not, it doesn't matter. He's feeling it. And you've talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that, what, like the other month? Well, you and I talked about it. We didn't talk about it on the podcast. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. You called me. Yeah, it was like the need that I always feel the need to be doing something. Yes. Yeah. That's what it came down to. Because you should have spent a day just hanging out with your friend at the beach, but she kind of said, like, plans I changed. made a plan mm-hmm. to do work that day. Mm-hmm. She doesn't make plans. Mm-hmm. And I had it like, oh, I really wanted to work that day. Like, da, 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 da. I'm going to do this. But I couldn't, time. since I didn't schedule time, free time, I couldn't enjoy the free time. Yeah. And I told Sierra that. And I told her that too, my friend. Which I was is like, really good. Yeah. But what did you tell her? I was like, I just told her, I was like, I feel very anxious. Mm-hmm. We need to go walk on the beach. Well, she actually suggested that. She said, she's like the coolest girl. She'll do. She's so chill. I was like, I can't enjoy this right now because I had it scheduled I, that I wanted to just work and be productive. And since I'm not being productive right now and it wasn't scheduled to not be productive, then I can't enjoy my, yeah. like this time right now. So we need to like get out of the space I'm in right now and we need to go clear my head. And I apologize to her that she felt that way because I know some of those tendencies she's picked up from me. Like before I went to therapy, if dad said, okay, we're taking a vacation or we're going to go see a movie or whatever, 
I felt like I was being tortured. Like I could play the role, but I wasn't able to enjoy myself because I felt bad about myself for not being productive. Productive. Yeah. And so I had to learn that I don't have to be doing something that's going to make money or that's about turning in an assignment to someone mm-hmm. or meeting someone else's expectation in order to be a good person. Like it makes me a good person to be present. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to give myself permission to just chill. Yeah. So I know some of those tendencies, you know, and I didn't go to therapy for that until you were probably like 10 or something. So those early formative years, you guys are picking up on a lot of our issues. Mm, that's so funny. Yeah. You don't realize it, but you are, you know, your yeah. kids do. And I'd say this, so back to the whole parenting thing, like I say this all the time that my parents, your guys' relationship is a different level. And I know why it is, obviously, because of like therapy, but the way you raised us was like 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? Nice. Wouldn't you say it has a lot to do with like very open communication? Yes. And respect. Like we always respect trust. Trust trust. and respect were the two things. Even that in my eyes, you guys were like the perfect parents take out like obviously what the word perfect means because Uh like uh you weren't perfectionist. We still both being Brock saw problems. Exactly. (laughs) Quirks. Issues. Yeah, sure. And traumas. Traumas is a strong word. But traumas because you can't protect us from the outside world. So even if I had a trauma that was dealing with not you guys, Mm -hmm. let's say my friend had a trauma from her parents. Mm -hmm. We both had to deal with those traumas and her trauma might on paper look way bigger than mine, but Mm -hmm. we could still... Here's what it is. The trauma might be way bigger in my head than what it is on paper, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And what those things are beliefs, right? And so I think, well, so what I was going to ask you about therapy is that, so we sent Brock to therapy really young. He went a couple of times in high school, and then he went a lot in college. And I think you went a little bit in high school. I never went. Yeah, you went a little bit in high school. You went for track. I went for one session. The point was, I wanted to introduce you to it. I wanted you to oh, have oh, that oh. opportunity. You were like, hmm, hmm, like not that interested. So I always wondered, like, did you feel like I don't have anything to go for? Or Correct. like that? Okay. Strong. Do you wish you had gone more? If you had regularly been going to therapy, would you have had the two years of track that were just unbearable? I don't, yeah, I don't think I would have had those two years of track, but it's hard to say because. My life, like I was, I felt so normal before track. If I was to go to therapy, like I, and that's exactly, yeah. I went for track my sophomore year. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before I um, trained by myself. And I was like, I don't have any problems, which is not like what therapy is about. Right. But in my mind, I was like, I'm great. I wasn't, I don't think I was aware. And I think it might've also been because we sent you to my best friend. Exactly. Your guard isn't going to be down as much. Yeah. Do you regret that you ran track? Or is it, I mean, like, it's part of what made you. And so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I tend to feel like even my lowest points and biggest mistakes, I'm thankful for them. Yeah, no, I don't regret it because I don't think I would be where I am today emotionally. Yeah, it just opened up like a whole different part of my brain. I was always emotionally intelligent, but I feel like super Emotionally intelligent now. I agree. Like therapy, therapy just like other people. Maybe you were always self-aware, but you're really good 
at communicating it without any shame or guilt yeah or like i'm embarrassed to say i feel this way like you're really self-aware you're like okay i have anxiety right now because it's so, raining yeah. and i plan to do this <laughs> this this and this and you know why yeah you are like you're having a bad day or and like even with boy stuff you're like you know why yeah certain things go the way they go i don't regret track but my older self is like feels so bad and like super sorry for all the girls that i see still in it in track or in just any competitive insanely intense like gymnastics gymnastics track ballet just like girls who put so much pressure under so much pressure how was it letting go of that identity or did you struggle to like so who am i if i'm not a track yeah i mean i worked on it in therapy a lot of it was like had it like tied to the johnsons explain what that means what would you work athletic the best but like naturally the best somehow because of the school that you went to your dad your uncle your grandpa Mm -hmm. your brother there was this legacy of athletes so you felt like you had to meet that standard yeah and so always like the what was your daughter i was the only girl to ever go through mission as like a johnson yeah that's true so what was your belief did you feel like you had to be an athlete yeah for sure and not like just an athlete the best athlete i mean i'll like get some like rush of like not competitiveness but like wanting to prove to everyone in the gym that like i'm the strongest and i'm like no it's mostly when like i see like another girl in the gym Uh that's like doing something insane Mm -hmm. and then i'm like oh wait you've been that girl and you're a different girl now and you have so much other things going for yourself and that girl probably doesn't doesn't oh that's good yeah which is fine if you want that all to be going on but you it's a reminder to yourself that i don't want to be in that situation again yeah so body image stuff that doesn't come up between you and your friends Mm -mm. well that's good don't you think it does for a lot of other girls though yeah majorly every track girl i've ever encountered that's something i don't know if you feel comfortable about talking about but like Mm. i believe that at your school oh it's like there was a moment when anorexia kind of took a hold of your track team and i don't know this is on topic but off topic i don't know how guys can coach girls in that sport put it this way josh wasn't that way that's so true so they need sensitivity training i mean you could write a book about the things you heard coaches really nice guys well-meaning but they just don't realize you can't say that and let's talk about football too because the way we would hear the male coaches talking to the male football players i remember saying to brett like oh my gosh if that were said to a girl like it would be those coaches would be fired yeah like i remember hearing like coaches saying, has, has there been like science about that science like science on? behind the way we interpret things or can handle different i don't know maybe not but just even when brock was like really little like eight and nine years old just they would call the linemen i forget what they called but they they were like the the big boys <laughs> and the the heifers or whatever yeah, like know. just these really derogatory terms and then the skinny boys they'd be like and like rocks labels. in their pockets yeah, yeah. like and can you imagine them weighing girls to play a sport at oh age God. eight, nine? 
Wade boys to play football. That's crazy. And wrestling. Tackle football. And wrestling, too. Oh, yeah. And they didn't. I remember, like, a little, I forget his name, but, like, just running laps. Because he was too heavy to play football. Because he was too heavy to play football. I mean, that has to have had an effect, but not as hard of, I would assume, not as detrimental as it would be on a girl. girl. Tell the story about that one coach who. Yeah. And he just told her that, oh, you're you're too big to run, like, the event that she was currently training her off in. And got a scholarship, got a scholarship for. for. Told her that she's way too, way too big to run that big. sport. You don't have that right body type. Way too bulky. Even though she was like ranked in the state, ranked in the U.S. And he told her, you know, you don't have. I don't know what you're doing training this hard because you just you don't have the right kind of body for that. Yeah. Did you know if that had an effect on her weight? Yeah, I can see it now. Oh, sad. I was there right when he said it. And I remember it would, she'd bring it up. She'll never forget it. No. Never the rest of her life forget it. I'll never forget it. And I'm not even her. And I heard and it. She's probably hand. hurt even worse. She yeah. came from gymnastics and then went into track. Mm-hmm. And what parents and coaches don't realize is it's one sixteenth of the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the few years you have to be at a competitive level in sports and athletics is a blip. And then you have to figure out who you are after it's over anyways. And so the damage that's done to reach that level and the things that people have to endure and how they, they wrap their identities into it and parents wrap their identities into it. And then it's, it's over. It's, it's identity and like ego. You're not getting a f- first place medal or like everyone clapping when you like go to your job. That's right. Right. And we also know people who played professional sports. And then the professional, you know, days are over and they don't know who they are mm-hmm. and how they're important and how they, and it happens pretty fast. It's I think, I think that's coming to surface a lot. Like I've heard a lot of guys talk about that with like football, especially like mm-hmm. figuring out who you are after like that problem has kind of come to the rise, but the when rise of it, like eating disorders in those girl sports, mm-hmm. individual sports, I've not heard one. Because think about all those sports, you're going to do better if you're thinner. Yeah, not even thinner. If you just change your body composition, if you're a 400 runner, you're going to, you're either putting on more muscle and leaning out or just leaning out into a little stick. Yeah. I just remember, I mean, think about gymnastics. Are you going to do better if you're heavier? No. No. Figure skating? No. Ballet? No. Ballet? Thinner? Better. All dance? Thinner? Better. And then talk about like uniforms. Oh my gosh, yes. Like cheer uniforms, jeez. Oh, and, and even track <laughs> uniform, they run in their underwear. Yeah. You judge other girls like, oh, they're not, they don't look desperate, but I can beat them. Really? Yeah. Like before you even step on the line. Jeez. That's why girls wear, like some girls wear underwear and some girls will just wear shorts. It's all about like intimidation. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because like, it's not about speed. Like, I mean, what is one part I of your ever think shorts going to do? I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, of course, it's not about speed, but I never thought about that. Or like running in just like your sports bra. Yeah. That's when it started. What? In the cross country, when it was a rule at Mission, you're not allowed to run in a sports bra. Like just oh. a sports bra. No shirt. And it was showed up cross country in the middle of summer. It's hot, yeah, but you're going to wear your shirt. She was a freshman, and she's running a sports bra, and that really became like... And the best freshman... 
to ever come through mission. So then the the mindset is, oh, here's the best person on our team, and she's the thinnest. Mm-hmm. Therefore, all the girls on your... I remember getting... I put calls into you. Did you ever talk to any other moms? I did. Um, I talked to a couple moms, and I talked to the coaches, too. Mm. I don't know if you knew that. Well, nothing was done. I'll let you know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Because it was really clear that quite a few of the girls were becoming anorexic. And I had one other mom that would share with me conversations that she was hearing. She didn't have a a daughter on the team, but she had her daughter was friends with one of the girls that really got sick, lost a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. And she was sharing with me the conversations and the apps that were going on. And The apps? One girl had suggested they all download this app and that they all track their calories. Oh, my God. Yeah, do you know about no. this? And what the, I mean, what I the, know the girls in my head. And what the calorie amount should be. Oh, you're saying? Mm-hmm. That's insane. And so I checked your phone. And I'm like, okay, she doesn't have the app. <laughs> and But it was, you know, uh, but that's what I could, started to sense, the control with you started talking to you about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But it is also about the time when you started getting very controlling about everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was worried, like, okay, we've got to be really careful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. You're so welcome. Tara taught me that de nada in Spanish doesn't yeah. mean you're welcome. No, I think it means it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Okay. And, I, and you took Spanish. Correct. I did not. Well, there you go. You took French. What, how do you say you're welcome in French? Oh, my gosh. Merci beaucoup. That's how you say thank you very much. Au revoir. <laughs> I forget. I almost want to say denial. Well, there you go. Shoot. Oh, my gosh. You just made your point. <sighs> yep. On that note, we out. Hey, love you. Mean it. And we'll talk to you soon.